Welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Each year at Erie First, we set aside 21 days to specifically focus on prayer and fasting and to devote ourselves to hearing God more. Today, we're kicking off a new series aptly titled Pray More. Pastor Nicole will be focusing on very practical ways that we can increase the effectiveness of our prayer lives. If you'd like to follow along with our resource guide that contains fasting tips and different prayer plans, you can find that link in the show notes. So let's get started today with our new series and see the practical ways that we can pray more. Here's Pastor Nicole. Hey, church family. I am super excited for the August series called Pray More. This has just been an anthem for me and for us as we have continued to learn how to pray and communicate with God and just get to his heart. And so we are going to take some weeks to really dive into what it looks like to pray more. And I'm excited to tell you a little bit about some things that we have planned in order to really engage with this series. One of the resources that we have for you during our Pray More series is the Pray More booklet. And you will want to grab it because inside uh, there's a ton of information that will help you fast. It'll give you tips on how to fast, give you scriptures to read, prayer points for a church. And there are many other things in there that will help walk through every single week in this Pray More series. One of the things in the Pray More series that we're going to focus on is called the Neighborhood Prayer Walk Challenge. This is a challenge that I want us all to do. Uh, Every single person can do it. And we just want to have an opportunity to cover our entire county with prayer. So what we've done is in the Pray More Research Booklet, you will find a guide, a prayer walk guide that you can take with you so that you know uh, where to pray, what scriptures to pray, that you can walk through that together. And then when you're done, out in the lobby, there's a giant map that we can indicate the places that we have walked in prayer. And together, I believe we're gonna be able to cover our entire county with prayer, and then we can watch and see what only God can do. But that's not all. We're going to end the Pray More series with a very special worship opportunity. So here's Pastor Andy to tell you more about it. I am so excited about this month's Pray More series. Let's go deeper with Jesus together. At the end of this month, we're gonna come together for some nights of worship and intercession. We're gonna have a women's worship night on August 25th at 6.30 p.m. and a men's worship night on August 27th at 6.30 p.m. This is an incredible opportunity for us to come together, worship Jesus together, and really thank God for what he has done as we have prayed more this month. You do not want to miss a week of this series. And as you're praying for your neighborhood, invite someone to come along with you and let's pray more together. We're so excited for what God's going to do. The best is yet to come. All right, give God some thanks. So in the beginning of this year, 2023, I challenged our church to do something really simple, uh, yet potentially very life-altering. And I challenged us with two words, pray more. Pray more than you did in 2022. Uh, Pray more than you did last month. Pray more than you did last week. Increase and pray more. We're about halfway through 2023. I saw some uh, meme on social media this week that was like 147 sleeps till Christmas. And I like cringed for just a moment. So I'm not ready to think about that. But I want to revisit this goal uh, that we started out the very beginning of the year. And I want to take inventory. So just between you 
in the Lord right now, how are you doing with this? Have you been praying more than last year? If your answer is eh, or I'm not so sure, it's not too late. We have half the year left, okay? You can still uh, make, make this goal if you start even now. Uh, we have half this year left so we can get started. And so this whole month of August, we are going to engage together in praying more. And I want to do this together, okay? I want us to do this together. Um, so as we talked about in the video there, you received this Pray More book when you came in today. It looks like this. If you didn't get one, I uh, get one on your way out. And in this book, this is going to be our guide for the month. So put it in your Bible or in your car or wherever so you can bring it back each week. Um, so let's just take a minute and look at it. So if you have it with you, we just get it out. Let's look at it together. Um, as you saw in the video, we're going to start a 21 days of prayer and fasting together corporately. This starts tomorrow. It ends August 27th. So in this book, in the first several pages, you will find information about fasting. You'll find some tips on how to fast. Um, I'm not going to uh, do a sermon about fasting, and so you need to check in here to make sure uh, or go back in the archives of our sermon series and, and look at that more. Um, but we want to have a, a corporate fast. We have some prayer points in here that you can pray together. So grab an accountability partner. Decide on what you're going to give up and reference this guide. And remember, fasting is saying no so we can say yes better. Okay, that's what fasting is. It's saying no to something so that we can say yes better. And so make sure you check that out. Secondly, um, the Lord impressed on me a new challenge for us as we walk through this series called the Neighborhood Prayer Walk Challenge. And you'll see more details about that on pages seven and eight of this book. Um, we as a congregation are going to prayer walk in your neighborhood, at the peninsula, downtown, anywhere you feel led to go, Waldemere, I don't care, wherever you go, okay, we're going to prayer walk and we're going to cover this entire county with prayer. Okay, you can use this as your guide. And then every Sunday when you come back to church, we have a big map in the lobby. This is what it looks like. And I want you to mark on that map with the pins that are provided where you prayer walked. And together we can fill this county with prayer. We can cover it with God's presence. In fact, you can even prayer drive. Okay, if you want to prayer drive, because some of those highways are super long. But as you pray, you can use this as a guide. We want to see what God's going to going to do as we prayer walk the whole county. Are you excited about that? Amen. Thank you, All right. There's also more prayer plans in this booklet. Uh, many we will preach about this month. So like I said, you want to take a look at it. And as Pastor Andy said in the video, we have special prayer um, worship nights at the end of August, one for men and one for women. We did that last year and it was awesome. And so check your bulletin for times and dates on that. In fact, I specifically remember at the women's night, we had like little chocolate cheesecake treats afterward. And at the men's night, they grilled meat or something. So, so whatever you do, we're going to worship and pray and eat chocolate or grill meat. Um, so, are you ready to pray more? I want you to turn to someone near you right now and tell them I'm ready to pray more. I'm going to pray more. All right, so today we're going to start in Exodus 25, verses 1 through 9. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them, gold, silver, and bronze, 
blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. So in this particular moment in biblical history, the Israelites were wandering in the desert for 40 years, and they needed a place to worship God. But this place needed to be portable. It needed to be temporary because they didn't plan to be in the wilderness forever. Okay, in fact, they were trying to get out of the wilderness. And so God says to them, okay, I want you to build a place where you can worship wherever you wander. You can worship wherever you wander. And the tabernacle served as a meeting place between God and men. It represented God's throne on earth. And that is what the tabernacle was in, in the book of Exodus as, as the Israelites were wandering through the desert. And so as I read to you, that was the very beginning of when God said, okay, get an offering from everyone that's willing to give, and I will help you uh, build a tabernacle, which will be the place where I will dwell. And so in the next several chapters of Exodus, the instructions are given on how to build the tabernacle. Uh, tabernacle means to dwell. And so it was a very detailed steps that were given by God, and he explains who should enter, when, what they should do. He talks about the very smallest of details. And two men, uh, Bezalel and Oholiab, were equipped with the spirit of God and the knowledge of craftsmanship, and they were appointed as the foreman. And so no uh, decision was left for men to decide. God gave them every detail. And so these four men uh, were to ask God what the details were. And when God gave it to them, they were to do exactly what God told them. Now, the scripture explains it for several chapters, but it was a place of fabulous beauty. It was a place of ornate design. And the excellence of the tabernacle, both in materials and workmanship, uh, was a reflection of the excellencies of God. The tabernacle was meant to testify to the character of God. It was a beautiful place. It was a holy place uh, because inside of it was a holy God. This tabernacle was used daily for more than 40 years, all the years that the Israelites were in the wilderness. It was well-maintained. It was well taken care of. And eventually, this tabernacle would be the dwelling place of God until Solomon would build the permanent temple in Jerusalem, if you remember. So this was really the, uh, the, the pre-place um, where God dwelled before the tabernacle was built uh, excuse me, before the temple was built permanently um, by, by Solomon in Jerusalem. And so we know from scripture, there was at least seven stations that people would pass through when they entered the tabernacle. And they, in order to experience God's presence, they had to follow God's instructions through these particular um, stations. And so today, what I want to look at 
is some of these stations that uh, the Exodus talks about in the tabernacle. Now, as you know, because we just had this experience moments ago, uh, we don't need a tabernacle anymore to experience the presence of God, right? We experienced him this morning. We don't need seven stations to experience God's presence. We live in the New Testament. And this means if you are a believer in Jesus and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, then the same spirit of God that dwelled in the tabernacle now dwells inside of you. Okay, that's what the New Testament means. So we are the tabernacle now. We are the, the people who carry the presence of God inside of us, and we uh, hold it and carry the spirit of God. And so the physical tabernacle that we're going to read about in Exodus was always meant to be temporary. And then the temple that came that Solomon built was always meant to be temporary because we see in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. So now we don't have to follow these specific instructions and careful instructions to get to the presence of God because the Spirit of God lives inside of us. Now, if you're not a believer in Jesus, I want you to know today that God wants to dwell in your heart too. He wants your heart to be a tabernacle for him. He wants a relationship with you. And I want to encourage you to seek a relationship with God. In fact, after service today, uh, to my right and to my left, there are prayer teams that'll be at these tables and they would love to pray with you. They would love to talk to you about giving your heart to Jesus and your life to Jesus and being a tabernacle of God's presence. But even though we don't need the tabernacle of the Old Testament anymore, um, the prayer model of the tabernacle, I think, is really helpful. And it can be used as a prayer guide or a prayer model for you this month. So that's what I want to walk through today uh, based on the Exodus tabernacle. And if you want to follow along, it starts on page 13 in this booklet. If you want to follow along and make some notes with me. So this here is a picture. Uh, it's someone's drawing. It's not a Polaroid, of course, but it's someone's drawing based on what they read in the scripture of what the tabernacle potentially looked like, um, kind of looking over a mountain, uh, like as they had built the tabernacle. And the very first stop in the tabernacle is called the outer court, okay? So that actually would be right when they are coming up to the door or the gate to get inside the gated area where the tabernacle sat. Now the Israelites always, always, always entered the tabernacle with thanksgiving and praise. That is why when we start praying, we should start the same way. In Psalm 100, David is actually describing how to enter the tabernacle. He would know because he lived uh, very closely to these generations of people that actually went to the tabernacle. And in Psalm 100, verse 4, he says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And so when we pray, when we say, okay, I'm going to pray, I'm going to take my time to pray, we should first thank God for the privilege of access to him. We should outwardly express how thankful we are for who God is. We should recognize his goodness, his faithfulness, his worthiness. He is a good, good father. I love how we sang that this morning. He's good in his plans. He's good in his grace. He's good in his forgiveness. If you find yourself in a spot 
where you don't know what to pray, you don't know how to pray, you don't know where to start to pray, start by giving God thanks out loud. That's how the Israelites used to get into the outer court. They, they always started the journey by entering his courts with thanksgiving. In fact, right now, I asked Pastor Andy to stick around because I just want to take two minutes and let's just do that right now. Let's just give God some thanks just as we're getting into the outer court. Just give God thanks in your own way right now. Come on, your own song, we not something you. scripted. Yes, Hallelujah. Jesus, we we thank you, Father, for your goodness. We thank you, Father, for your goodness that you dwell in us, that you dwell in us. We thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Father, for your goodness to us, that you call us close. doesn't have to sound like Andy, okay? He's good at it. You know what mine sounds like? God, you're good. You don't have to show up, but you always do. You work around my schedule. I thank you that I never have to worry you don't hear me. I thank you that you're faithful. I thank you that you pulled me out of a jam earlier today. I thank you that you helped me uh, see what you've done for me on the cross. It can sound like any of that. I thank you, God, for this parking spot right in front of Wegmans because I never get it. Okay, you just thank God as you going into prayer, into that outer court. All right, next in the tabernacle is something called the bronze altar and the bronze laver. I want to read to you in Exodus 27, uh, verses 1 through 2. It describes the altar. It says, build an altar. This is God talking to the people. Build an altar of acacia wood, three cubits high. It is to be square, five cubits long, five cubits wide. Make a horn at each of the four corners so that the horns and the altar are of one piece and overlay the altar with bronze. In the Old Testament, um, everyone, everyone had to regularly bring animal sacrifices as a payment for their sin. And so when an Israelite would come through the gate holding their bloody animal, singing thanksgiving, okay, imagine that, singing thanksgiving to God, when an Israelite would come through the gate with their sacrifice, the first thing they would see between him or her and the tabernacle was uh, the, this altar with a priest standing beside it. And this is where the Israelites would bring their sin offerings and trespass offerings. And as they placed um, the bull or the goat or the lamb, as they placed it on the altar... They would put their hand upon it and they would confess their sin, uh, not generically, but very specifically. And then uh, they would watch as the throat of the animal was slit and the blood was drained and the animal was laid upon the brass altar 
And this would be just an unforgettable picture of the result of their sin. Now, the Bible tells us uh, that the wages of sin is death. And they would watch that. They would watch that happen. And it was a very solemn time. It was a very somber time. And when the sacrifice was made and the blood of the animal was shed, the sinner was pardoned. And without the shedding of blood, there was no forgiveness. You had to stop at the bronze altar or you could never get to God. Do you see that? If you did not stop at the altar with your sacrifice, you could not get to the tabernacle where God's presence dwell. Now remember, today we don't have to do that anymore because Jesus paid for our sins once and for all by his own blood on the cross. He was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the perfect lamb. He made it so we never would have to put an animal on an altar again. Jesus Christ did that for us. The cross of Jesus replaces the bronze altar. The cross provides us with salvation. God forgives all our sin. The cross provides us with healing. God heals all our diseases. The cross provides us with redemption. God rescues us and restores us. The cross provides us with transformation. He changes us into his likeness. The cross provides us with blessing because God gives us everything that we need. And so that altar that was in the courts right before the tabernacle was this example of what would happen later in history where Jesus would say, never again do you have to lay a sacrifice here because I did it once and I did it for all. And the blood that I shed will will be uh, what will help you get to God. You can't get to God without a sacrifice, but Jesus became that sacrifice for us. So after the altar is the bronze laver, and here's a picture of one artist's depiction uh, close behind it. Now the laver was a bowl of water where people um, would wash their hands. Now I think uh, physically their hands were dirty, uh, probably from uh, handling their animal and then the sacrifice and, and the dirt and all the things that as they were going uh, through there. But, but really the water was where people were reminded of their own sinfulness and their need to be cleansed and forgiven by God. And so they would wash their hands. And what this really reminds us is that checking our hearts and motives and surrendering our lives to God is a really important part of our daily prayer life. Confession is when we genuinely say, "Um, Father, my hands are dirty and I need you to cleanse me. I have not been perfect. I, I agree with you, God, that this thought or action is sin. And it has caused erosion within me. It's destructive to my family. It's destructive to the kingdom. It's harmful uh, for the kingdom. It's not right. And and that's the image of the people uh, bringing their sin, uh, putting their um, uh, sacrifice on the altar, and then washing their hands is this image really of confession. It's receiving that the blood of Jesus has made you clean from your sin, and now you are actually uh, doing the act of washing your hands and you're being cleansed. Now, I want to remind you, 
confession uh, needs to be really specific. Okay, don't say things like, forgive me for all my sin today. Or uh, forgive me if I did anything wrong. That's always like the worst apology to someone, isn't it? Like you're like, are you sorry? I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings in any way. You know, I'm sorry if you felt offended by that. That's hardly an apology. And so when you go to the Lord, you don't say things like, forgive me if I did anything wrong today or forgive me of all my sin. You specifically say, forgive me for lying to blank. Forgive me for being impatient with my children. Forgive me for having a bad attitude about that particular situation. This honest confession, owning up to what you have done that did not honor God. And when you do that, you physically understand that it was your sin that required the sacrifice and it was your sin that you now need to wash your hands of. When you confess it generally, we don't often uh, internalize that it is ours. It is us that needs forgiven. We can confess our sins and receive complete forgiveness and a fresh, new, clean start. But when we do that, we have to be specific about what we're going to God with. And so when we confess, God can cleanse. He can renew us. I love this verse in 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He will do it, but we must confess with a humble heart and then wash our hands like they did in the tabernacle. So now uh, we've entered into the gate with thanksgiving. We confessed our sins. Uh, They're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And now the next part of the tabernacle is what they call the holy place. Now in the holy place, um, we are closer to God uh, because remember, we've left our sinful ways behind us. The altar was there, the the laver was there. We've left our sinful ways behind us. And when you confess and you're redeemed by, by Jesus, you are closer to God because you've left your sinful ways, you've received the forgiveness and sacrifice of Jesus, and now you can enter into the holy place. And there's some significant things the scripture says in the holy place. The first thing is this, uh, we see a candlestick. Here's an image of a candlestick. Now, the scripture says this candlestick is made of pure gold. It represents the holiness of God, which is pure and perfect. And there are seven uh, branches that have a light on top of each. And this is the only light in the holy place, okay? Olive oil keeps the light burning and the job of some of the priests morning and evening is to make sure that the olive oil is stocked and ready. You don't want to be the guy who forgets to refill the oil on the candlestick, okay? That, you get a bad review on Amazon for that or whatever. <laughs> but the oil that fuels the candle and the fire that is on top of the candle both represent the Holy Spirit. And as you, soon as you begin your spiritual journey, the Holy Spirit is with you. He anoints you. He makes you a light to the world. Uh, Matthew 5, 16 talks about this. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
We know when Jesus left the earth, Christ followers were given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he calls the Holy Spirit our advocate, our paraclete. We cannot do what God has called us to do without the Holy Spirit, without his supernatural power. And it is through the Holy Spirit that God comforts us, guides us, empowers us. He, he is the one that we need every day of our journey with Jesus. And so one of the things we can do when, as we pray, um, so we're um, giving thanks, we're confessing before the Lord, we're making our heart, hearts right before the Lord. And then the next thing we can do is ask the Holy Spirit to fill us every day, multiple times a day. We can pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we are ultimately the light of the world. When we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, it's as if we're saying, keep that oil coming. Keep that oil coming in the candlestick so that my light can be bright everywhere I go. If that oil runs out, how effective are you at being the light? Not very effective. And so we can do that. We can ask the Holy Spirit as we pray, fill us up. And so I just want to do that now together. Uh, Pastor Andy, will you help me today? Let's lead us in a prayer. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and fill me up. We're going to say it two times together. Okay, you ready? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I ask, ask you, you to come, come and fill me up. up. Let's say it one more time. Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit, I ask, ask you, you to come, come and fill me up. up. You can do this. You can say these words or something like it. But you can ask the Holy Spirit to fill you everywhere you go. Every place you go, you can be the candlestick full of the Holy Spirit to the world around you. Just like in the tabernacle, that light never went out. Okay, next. Another important piece in the holy place is called the table of shoe bread or show bread. Uh, the pronouncement just really depends on which version of the scripture you read. Um, in all transparency, um, half of the Pray More booklets uh, autocorrected to shrew bread. That is not actually what it is. Shrews are little small animals um, that are, we're not talking about here today. Okay, so it's shoe bread or show bread. Okay, that's what we're looking for. And in this uh, particular uh, thing that we have a picture of it here, this important piece in the holy place is there's a table that is made of strong wood and overlaid with gold and it has rings on the corners so it can be carried by wooden poles. And on the top, there are plates and bowls and pitchers and cups, all made of gold on it. And there are 12 small cakes or loaves of unleavened bread that were placed in two stacks of six. It was very, uh, to the detail, it had to be exactly like this. And these loaves, they represented several things, theologians think. Uh, some think the bread represents both Jews and Gentiles living in harmony. They, they represent the 12 tribes of Israel. There's a lot of meaning. But these loaves or cakes, they stayed on the table for seven days. And then on the Sabbath, Aaron and the other priests would eat them and then they would replace the bread. And so there was always bread on this table, it always looked like this, and every seven days, the, the head priest and the, the priests that were with him would eat that bread, and then they would replace it. Now show bread literally means bread that will cause God to show up. Okay, mm. that's what it means. Bread that will cause God to show up. So symbolically, symbolically, this is so strong, are you ready? Jesus, is the bread. Remember, Jesus called himself the bread of life. 
He said, I am the bread of life. Jesus is our bridge to God, the eternal life forever. Jesus causes God to show up. Jesus is the one that we need to make sure that we are connected to God. And as believers in Jesus, this show bread, this bread that causes God to show up, should remind us of the importance of reading and praying God's word daily. Because Jesus is the bread of life. God's word is an incredible gift. It's a powerful tool. And it has great um, relevance and impact in our prayer life. And in a few weeks, actually, I'm going to do an entire sermon about how to pray in the scripture. But as you are praying... As you are praying more this month, incorporate God's word into your prayer time. It is the most effective way to pray. You are praying back to God his very own words. How much more effective can that be? How much more true can that be? How much more do we know God's will if he's literally saying it in the scripture? We can pray those things and God can use those prayers to do incredible things. All right, so next in the holy place, uh, is something called um, the altar of incense. And it probably looks something like this. A small altar of burning incense that stood at the entrance um, to the Holy of Holies. So there was the holy place, and then there was behind a curtain something called the Holy of Holies. And this particular altar um, stood at the entrance to that. And, and in the Holy of Holies is where God's presence dwelled. But the people of God entered God's presence and they worshiped his name. This altar really represents worship and the pleasure it gives God when we worship him. And this reminds us to make worship a part of prayer, that we can praise his name, we can call him worthy. Uh, we always want to make worship the names of God, the things that who God is as part of our prayer life. And we can give God praise and, and worship God every time we go to him as we pray together. That's why many people um, put on a worship song when they're gonna pray or, or maybe sing one from their heart because worshiping God is part of getting close to him. It's part of praying. It's part of remembering who he is to us. Okay, the final place in the tabernacle was the Holy of Holies. And you can kind of see in this picture uh, if this were a model, you have to go through the curtain to get into the Holy of Holies. This is where God's actual presence dwelled. And I want to read to you from Exodus 26, uh, 33 through 34. It, they're giving instructions here. It says, hang the curtain from the clasps and the place, the Ark of the Covenant law behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. Put the atonement cover on the Ark of the Covenant law in the most holy place. So inside the Holy of Holies was what they called the Ark of the Covenant, a two foot by three foot box covered by the mercy seat over which the Shekinah glory of God rested. Now listen, only the high priest was allowed inside the Holy of Holies and only on the Day of Atonement could the high priest enter. This happened once a year and he would atone for the sins of the entire past year. And an offering of incense was made by the high priest in the innermost chamber of the temple, the Holy of Holies, the only time of year that he or anyone entered there. And the sins of the people were symbolically placed upon the scapegoat 
which was driven into the wilderness. And the priest came into the Holy of Holies and prayed on behalf of all the people. He came in and he prayed on behalf of all the people and God heard him and God moved on their behalf and he forgave them of their sins. And this is a reminder that we can do that too, that we can make a difference when we spend time praying for other people that we can make a difference. The, the priest did it, the high priest did it in the tabernacle, and we can too. We can go to God with the needs of other people around us. And, and in, in your Pray More booklet, I have some examples of maybe some people that you can pray for, uh, some leaders, some family, your church, uh, people that are lost, people in other nations. We can go to God and we can uh, pray for those people and it can make a difference. Like I said, the tabernacle was a house of prayer. And we can be that too. We can literally be a tabernacle, just like the Old Testament described. We are the tabernacle now. We don't have to go and, and make sure we do all the steps right. All we have to do is go to the presence of God, go to God with what we need. And this is a great reminder of how we can be the literal tabernacle of God's presence.
let's just sing that part as a church. May the fire on our altar never burn out. Let's just sing that together as we go today. Uh, Father, that's our prayer, that as we come to you as a tabernacle of your presence, that we would never grow weary, that we would never grow tired of coming to you, Father God, because you are so good and you are so worthy and there's so much to praise you for. And so, Father, we pray that even this month, that our prayer, we could pray more, and Lord, that you would set us ablaze, that you would set us on fire, God, and that our heart for you and our hunger for you would increase exponentially. And God, that is our prayer today, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Sing this last part together as we go. Pastor Andy, would you lead us about? Day and night and night and day. Day and night and night and day. Thank you for listening to the Eerie First Podcast. We'd love it if you give us a rating and a review on your podcast app, and please subscribe so you never miss a message. You can follow Eerie First on Facebook or Instagram, or visit eeriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.